Into Music is a podcast from KMUW about musicians and the fellow artists, teachers, and tastemakers who've inspired them. He became the mentor in his later years that he wasn't able to be to me in my early years. That's Into Music every Thursday, starting in February. You'll find it at KMUW.org, your KMUW app, and you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. From the Advanced Learning Library in downtown Wichita, Kansas, and part of the NPR Podcast Network, this is Books and Whatnot. I'm Suzanne Perez, KMUW's resident book reviewer. And I'm Beth Golay, host of KMUW's Marginalia Podcast. This episode was recorded on January 4th, 2024. Any references to new or forthcoming and the like are relative. So here we are in front of a live audience. Yay! Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. This is our second annual kickoff to the Read ICT Challenge. It's the eighth year for the challenge, and we are so excited to be recording in the downtown Wichita Public Library because the public library is uh, one of our partners for this fabulous project. We're joined by the hosts of <laughs> Wichita <laughs> Public Library's Read, Return, Repeat podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you, Suzanne. You're welcome. I'm so... <laughs> Uh, I'm Sarah Dixon. And I'm Daniel Pee-wee-Wardy. And so our uh, podcast is Read, Return, Repeat, and it's a Read ICT podcast. It's, yeah, it's our fourth season, and we're excited Yay. for yeah, we the are. season. Oh so. gosh. I'm nothing if not gracious. What is this challenge? <laughs> this challenge you so speak of. About. Okay, so eight years ago or so, um, as sort of a lark, uh, when I was at the Wichita Eagle, which is another one of our partners in this project, uh, I had been seeing these sort of adult reading challenges around the internet, and I thought, well, let's just do one here locally. And I made up 12 categories, and that's how it started. <laughs> um, and it's sort of grown from there. And basically, the gist is we now come up collectively with 12 uh, random-ish categories to help you uh, guide your reading for the coming year. So it's 12 categories for 12 months. You don't have to do them in order. You don't have to do them once a month. You don't have to do them at all. Um, there's no, you know, sort of read ICT police that are going to come after you for, you know, what you read. The idea is just to expand your reading horizons, to explore new genres, new authors, new topics, types of books you normally maybe wouldn't read. Um, so that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, and we joined up uh, at the library with you, I think, on year two. Yeah. And so we've been partners ever since, and it's been a lot of fun. We've seen it grow. And even recently, we had this kind of monumentous thing happen over on Facebook. Suzanne, can you tell our folks about that? Yes, yeah, so we have a Read ICT Challenge uh, Facebook group that about a week ago <laughs> or two had about 2,800 members we were very proud of. Solid. <laughs> solid, solid, solid group. It had been growing through the years. And then uh, last week, I started getting lots of notifications that people were wanting to join the challenge. We well, went viral, <laughs> it, We went viral. <laughs> So there was a post by one of the members, Diane Morrill, who had posted a picture of a box of books that she had gotten for Christmas from her husband and children. There were 12 books, and each one was wrapped up and labeled with a month on it. So she had a book for January, February, March, etc. She, on the Read ICT page, posted a picture of this box and said, look at this cool thing my husband and kids did for me. That has now gotten 16 million views or something. That's insane. Incredibly... Yeah. 
I mean, just incredible. But at some point, the Facebook algorithm went into action and started suggesting our page to reader types around the world. So now we are up to close to 8,000 members on that group. And they're from all over. And we're having to explain Literally. what ICT is. We but they're all in, too. They're, yeah. they're from Scotland and Ireland and South Africa and Australia and Canada. And they'll probably be listening to this podcast. So welcome. We hope. If you know Listen about to us. us, New Zealand. <laughs> yes. So if you know about us through this recent um, popularity of the Read ICT Challenge Facebook group, uh, you are more than welcome to participate <laughs> in this challenge. So, yes, welcome. Do absolutely. they think it's like, uh, like a, like a, like an, like a combination word of like read and like addict or something? Well, that's, I think okay. that was part <laughs> of it. They thought it was like read addict. Uh, yeah, a lot of people read thought yeah, read it. But yeah, Silly of course, word. it's just ICT is so strange <laughs> anyway. But then people on the Facebook group started che checking in with their airport codes. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm from Atlanta, ATL. You know. That's awesome. <laughs> so it was very, very fun. It has been fun over there for the past several days and very exciting to watch. And I've been getting a lot of notifications on my phone and able to uh, approve all, thank goodness. <laughs> so, um, so the first thing I think I will do is read off all 12 categories. Um, I know that everyone in this room certainly has seen Should the know. new snazzy new bookmarks we have over there too, but um, and thanks to the library. This year's categories are category one, a book with a map. Two, a book you meant to read last year. Category three, a book about something lost or found. Category four is a collection. Category five is a book by or about someone neurodivergent. Category six is a book set in space. Seven is a book someone told you not to read. Eight is a book with a season in the title. Nine is a book featuring an animal sidekick. Ten is a book with a recipe. Eleven is a book published the year you turned 16. And 12 is a book by an indigenous author, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit later as a nice tie-in to uh, the Wichita Big Read this year in 24. All right. Any general comments or uh, concerns about the challenge, Beth Golay? No. <laughs> I just want to clarify. She's the all in. Oh, I was just going to clarify. A book set in space is like not Earth, outer space. Right. I know like Earth is in space. That doesn't count. So, yeah, I just wanted to clarify anything, that. Yeah, um, not don't we say Earth. count it count for just about it. anything, though? Yeah, you know, rule. I should really <laughs> say up front that the... The threshold, the you know, again, there is no, no one's going to hold you to anything. You know, you can. Uh, I mean, the categories. When we're thinking about the categories, we think about ones that we think can be molded and shaped in a lot of different ways. You can read fiction, nonfiction, middle grade for these categories. But uh, yeah, there are always people that are like, well, you know, this book is set on another planet, but they're not actually floating through space, does it? And I'm like, count it. So just just I, it's um, a free space category. Yes, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, and then also I didn't uh, mention that if uh, oh, you're part if you have a Wichita like public library um, card. No, you don't even you have to have a card to log on through Beanstack. Uh, you don't you have to have that? a card. Um, and in fact, we have had a few of our new uh, Read ICT members join us on, on Beanstack. So they have a place to log their books mm -hmm. and we we welcome it. Um, you will be limited to Wichita to qualify for one of our giveaway prizes um, because we can't mail it to you. You need to be able to pick it up from one of our uh, 
branches that are conveniently located around Wichita. But um, if you want to get in Beanstack and utilize it, go for it. Um, if you have any trouble with it, give us a call. Or send us an email if you're from overseas and don't want to, like, you know, rack up a phone bill. Yeah. That's fine. So, yeah, every month there's a drawing for a fabulous prize if you log your, log your reading into That's Beanstack. That's true. So we're going to start with Category 1, which is a book with a map. Beth Golay has done something interesting with her list. You want to explain what you've done? I have chosen every book for my list this year. I've, I've pre-chosen, which I never do. Okay. I mean, we read enough books where we just kind of say, yeah, that works in the category. <laughs> every single book on my list this year is from James Mustick's A Thousand Books to Read Before You Die. I'm finally, you know, doubling up and doing double duty. I've been wanting to read a book from this book a month since Suzanne and I discovered Mustick's book. And every single one of my 12 books tonight is from this book. Oh, that so. is cool. I yeah. can't wait to hear them because I don't know what you think. And picked. also, Beth promised to give me 20 bucks if any of my books match her books. <laughs> I, that is true. I was going to have my books from there, but maybe I'm just like really I was going to say no wagering, but apparently there is some. So, uh, Beth, why don't you start us off? Um, a book with a map. Mine is called Map. <laughs> <laughs> Collected in Last Poems of Wisława Zamborska, and she is a Polish poet, and she was the 1996 Nobel Laureate, and this could also work for a collection because this book brings together more than 200 of her poems, and she died in 2012. This was published, collected and published in 2015, and I like the challenge of poetry for this one because, you know, in one regard, it can be a fast read because, I mean, white space. <laughs> but then to really sit down with the poem and to read it aloud and to study the enjambments, you can really lose yourself in a few lines. I do not have the book in my possession yet, so I'm not exactly sure what I'm in for. But it is titled Map, and I'm counting it. <laughs> Got a map on the cover. <laughs> I don't know. The, yeah, word, the map. word map. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So mine, I, I, what I thought I'd do for each category, I'm going to mention one book I have read and liked that uh, would count for the category, and then I'm going to talk about one that I want to read. So uh, my book with a map that I would recommend is The Wager by David Gran. Uh, it was a literary feast pick uh, for us last year. It he was is, here last year? Yes, he was here at the library talking about this book. You open it up, and there's a map of this course that these explorers took. It's about a shipwreck and mutiny, and it's fabulously researched and written. And David Grant, of course, is the author of Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm -hmm. um, not sure if that one has a map, but it, it might. It probably does. Um, I think it probably does. Yeah, it so, does. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was, that's the one I would recommend. And then for my book that I want to read that has a map, I just got this one for Christmas, and I opened it up, and there was a map in it, and I was so excited because I didn't know there'd be a map in it. So it's called Fatherland, A Memoir of War, Conscience, and Family Secrets. It's by Burkhart Bilger, and I'm just going to read a little bit about it. As a boy growing up in Oklahoma, Burkhart Bilger often heard his parents tell stories about the Germany of their youth. Winters in the Black Forest, when the snow piled up, when Nazis came to power, yada, yada, yada. Turns out someone <laughs> in his family was part of the Nazi party. And it's his sort of dealing with everything that comes with that, learning about 
what happened with his ancestors and, you know, just dealing with all of the ramifications of that. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Sounds good. Uh, I actually had to giggle because you yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Nazis. Nazis blah, blah, and so blah. That's why I was laughing. I was not laughing at Nazis. <laughs> that's not funny. Um, but that sounds good. That mm -hmm. sounds really interesting. Uh, my book for Book with a Map is literally anything written by N.K. Jemisin because oh. I love her. I think everybody, I've talked about her a lot last year. Um, but she's got, like, if you want high fantasy, we've got the Broken Earth trilogy with, like, fifth season and... There's an obelisk in the title, but they're like... Obelisk Gate, I believe. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They're all three really good. And if you're unfamiliar and you haven't heard me wax poetic about N.K. Jemisin's Broken Earth trilogy, um, the first one she wrote, and we should say she's a woman of color, and so she wrote this high fantasy book, won a Hugo Award, right? She wrote the second book in the trilogy, won a Hugo Award. She wrote the third book in the trilogy, and it also won a Hugo Award, which is like wow. high praise in the science fiction fantasy community. So, wow, I loved it. I don't even like fantasy. I loved it. But if you don't want high fantasy, all of her other books, um, the, the, her latest duology is uh, The City We Became and The World We Make. And those are set in New York. So there's some realism there. But then on top of that, all of the boroughs are um, actual personifications like they have avatars that are actual humans I'm not explaining this very well but it's so good it was weird in the best way and she's just such a great storyteller I love her I love her if we can get her on this podcast mm. I will lose all of my wits <laughs> I uh, I enjoy her story and uh, I'll end a book I'll talk about later she did a, one of the collections I read oh, had hers. nice um my book on the map how, how many of y'all ever gone like road trips Oh, like back in the day we all had books with maps in them mm -hmm. and it's all on the phones and so like um when you go on like a road trip like uh like a real like off the like because all the highways there's like always cool stuff right and you never know like what to see i've been using like atlasobscura.com for years to like find really cool like off the trail hidden things and they have a atlas obscura by joshua ford dylan thuris and ella morton I think they, like, one or two years ago, they just did a revised edition from their 2016 version. Uh, I take this book on every road trip I go because your phone never always works, and sometimes loading Atlas Obscura kind of gets hard. So um, definitely it's a it's a book that I recommend. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, so I don't know what books have a map in it. <laughs> but I will say uh, De-Evolution by Max Brooks about the Bigfoots attacking the planned community in, like, Oregon. I was like, I bet that book has a map in it. So I went and got a physical copy, and it did. Because they talk like so detailed about the area in the book. I was like, oh, there has to be a map. So it's like the, this category is tough for me because I listen to all my books. But so. just it goes to show that you can find a way, right? Mm-hmm. In the word map? Yes, yeah. absolutely. So category two is a book you meant to read last year. And if you don't have already a stack of these at home, <laughs> then we're not doing this challenge correctly. <laughs> What did you have for that one, Suzanne? Uh, I have not yet read The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. Also it was on, on mine. Every single best books of the year list, New York Times, Obama's list, every list I can think of, it was on there. I have it. I own it. Ding, ding, ding. I just have not read it. So that will be mine. Uh, that's actually on my list too, but I have like a whole bunch of them. Um, I also, The Wager was on mine. Uh, All Boys Aren't Blue by mm. George M. Johnson. Mm. I have a lot. I'm always wanting something to read. Beth? 
Uh, mine is the William Trevor collection. Oh, yeah. And also could be another collection. But in addition to this, Adam O'Fallon Price is an author who several years ago started reading every story in William Trevor's collection and then writing his own essay. I think he estimated that it would take him three years to get through the collection and write these essays. So in addition to reading the collection, I also want to read Adam O'Fallon Price's essays. How many stories are in that collection? Do you know? Oh. oh. So I know it's thick. More than, more than more than 100. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Yeah, I was thinking I think like, so. you know, 20. No, it's no. the complete collection, and it's about three inches thick. Cool. Yeah. Beth aims high. That is, that is lofty. Daniel. <laughs> There, There by Tommy Orange. Oh, wow, yeah. Like, uh, it's a book, like, uh, for the, the listeners, I'm a, I'm a Comanche. Uh, my dad's Comanche, so I'm Comanche. And it's like a book that people have been telling me to read for years ever since it came out because, like, I'm an urban native and so <laughs> still haven't read it. But it's just kind of like next to Killers of the Flower Moon, it's like the number one book that Native Americans are always recommended. So it's really awesome that people are actually <laughs> recommending a book by a Native author. So I got, what, like, Three months to read it, okay. so I'm trying to get it read by the big read. And then anything by, uh, yeah, by Sylvia Garcia Marino is a book. Like, I've been wanting to read her books. They seem all cool. There's, like, one about Island of Dr. Moreau, Mexican Gothic, Silver Night Trace. No, I don't, I've, I've only read the one, and then I've heard mixed reviews on some of her others. But yeah. I did like the other one. I thought it was fun to read. I read um, The God of Jade and Shadow. Is that right? Anybody? I'm not you, sure. audience member, giving me a nod. I appreciate that. <laughs> but she like comes up on all my lists and are like recommend if you like this. And so it's like I need to read one of those books. I bet I'll like it. So. Yeah, good. So. All right. Uh, next up, we have a book about something lost or found. So yeah, you know, there's family. all those books that have lost or found in the title or are very clearly about something lost or found. If you really start thinking about it, I read a lot of books about found family. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of middle grade novels are like that. but Or, or like nonfiction, you can think about books about, you know, discoveries of any sort. You know, any sort of major invention, exploration, things like that. My book that I would really recommend is a book about lost innocence called Mary Jane. I've been raving about this book all year. It's a novel by Jessica Anya Blau. It's about a young teenage girl uh, growing up in the 70s and she is raised in a very traditional household and she's asked to nanny for the family down the street who are really, really hippie and sort of sexual revolution types and um, a lot of interesting things happen in this novel. It's very well written. Yeah, highly recommended. That's called Mary Jane by Jessica Anya Blau. Again, yeah, think about lost and found in all sorts of ways. It was de- this was definitely sort of a coming of age novel. And then for um, this is another one I meant to read years ago is uh, the Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum is one that I I read Brendan Slocum's Symphony of Secrets Symphony of Secrets this past year and loved it. Um, I want to read his first novel, The Violin Conspiracy, which is all about a stolen violin, right? So he loses it. Well, it's about... Um, I mean, and other stuff. It's about <laughs> a found... Yeah, a, a, a found Stradivarius. It was found in the attic. Nobody really realizes it is this violin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It was given to his ancestors by their owners, so it has a lot of slave slavery stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good yeah. book. Yeah, so uh, that's my uh, want to read for Lost and Found. Mine is The Secret Garden by Francis, 
is it Hodgson Burnett? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I love that book. I've not read My it. My mom used to read it to me. But I'm assuming there's a garden that was a secret and it will be found, so <laughs> I chose that one. <laughs> I think you're right. You are correct. I think, I think that garden was secret. Is it on your, bo- is it on your it list? It is not on my book list, yes. so it's no okay. $20 you don't owe me you. money. But <laughs> I can tell you that it's classic for a reason. It's beautiful. I love it. Oh, so good. <laughs> Daniel, what about you? Um, Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. Just finished it. Um, It's about a nostalgia and how we kind of forget about like TV shows as a kid and this like mysterious TV show that a lot of people remember watching but like never actually aired, kind of like a spooky story kind of thing. And it's uh, this girl has a, she doesn't remember her childhood and her father dies and she kind of like starts uncovering what happened when she was a kid and she was actually on the show and it gets weird. It gets really weird. And then, um, that sounds interesting though. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a creepy pasta if you're into that, because there's actually like a creepy pasta that's similar. And I was like wondering if this was like a knockoff, but it was like way more detailed than that. And like way more like a very, it was, it was actually like a book with the same kind of premise. And I actually liked it a lot better than like the, Uh, What's a creepypasta? A creepypasta is a form of internet folklore in which people go on Reddit and try to scare each other. So it's like internet ghost stories. That's why I haven't heard of it. Yeah, internet ghost stories. Uh, (laughs) And then the Art Forger by B.A. Shapiro, which is about the Isabella Stewart Gardner heist. That's my book to read. I think I have that. I'm sorry, what was this? The The Art Art Forger Forger Uh. by B.A. Shapiro. If you guys don't know, in 1990, a bunch of guys ran into this museum in um, Boston and stole like millions of dollars with the art and just like cut paintings out of frames just like smash and grab and it's like this big mystery kind of like the D.B. Cooper thing and the art forger kind of like incorporates that actual thing into like a story of fiction so go on through that for a minute. I've read it. It's good. Is it? Is mm-hmm. it? I think I have it here. B.A. Maybe Shapiro's. one of you can win it later. Oh, oh wow. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. How convenient. <laughs> Um, so my choice for book lost or found, I have a few that I could recommend. So I'm going to go with, I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay. I'm pretty sure this was one of my favorite books from last year. And it's like true crime and very much like serial podcast vibes. And it's all about collective memory too, which was fascinating. So it was like this woman who, when she was a junior in high school at this private boarding school, her roommate was murdered and so how does everybody remember what happened and who was the murder pinned on and was that correct but also like podcast and true crime but the girl was lost and also memories were lost and Mm -hmm. anyway it just it touched on so many different like social things that uh I found it like riveting I kept turning the pages and also I think I read it in like two days and I don't usually read thrillers that fast it was a great it was so good and also they're trying because it's sort of a a mystery. There's a. They're trying to find out what really happened. So they're trying to find the solution to, to what actually happened yeah. to her too. Yeah. So that's a good so, one. It was so good. Um, and then there's one that I did. I did also do what Suzanne did with a book that I want to read, and it's The Future by Naomi Alderman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it recently just came out, but she wrote The Power, which was super good. And so the future is. I think some people go missing in that, and apparently you also have to like email for the epilogue. So the epilogue is lost. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't that fun? Oh, wow. You know how I feel about an epilogue. I don't know. How do you feel what about are an your, epilogue? I'm not, <laughs> I want the Suzanne hot take on epilogues I, right I now. Tend, I tend not to like epilogues. Oh, man. I think they're cop-outs. Most of them, 
You're just like, just end the book. You don't need the epilogue <laughs> telling me what's happening with them 10 years later. Okay. I just, I generally don't like them. Not always. I just am not a fan. I, I tend to actually agree with you. I also don't really love a prologue. Hmm. I don't love it. Well. Just like get into the story. I'm ready. <laughs> I only want to know like if the dog's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did everyone survive? <laughs> you can the actually. There's a website I think uh -huh. you can go on. Does the dog yeah. Yes, yes. It, it has. It, 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 it <laughs> has dictated my like Netflix like watching <laughs> a lot. I'm like, there's a dog in here. Hold on. Okay, we're not watching this. Before we leave this category, I, I simply must talk about Shark Heart by Emily Haybeck. That was another one of my favorite reads. Very, very strange. I love a strange, quirky novel, and this was it. It was a debut novel by Emily Haybeck about a newlywed couple, and he turns into a great white shark. Um, huh. I know it's a weird premise. You just got to go with it. They live in a world where things like that happen, and people transform into different animals. But it's all about kind of what is love and letting go, and there's a, just a lot of things getting lost and found in that book. So I really, really loved it. We, we talked about this in our last podcast because I'm afraid to reread it, and I, I'm afraid it's not going to stand up. But I kept thinking of Shadow of the Wind for this one because oh, of that I cemetery that of forgotten book. books that mm -hmm. is found. And so I'm going to, it's, it's not in the mystic tome. It's not? It should be. But that's one I, I kept thinking for, you know, more, more modern day. Yeah. I had like a nonfiction one I kept thinking of, and that's in The Immortal Life of Henriette Leto. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one, too. That's yeah. a good one. Okay, so next up we've got a collection. So this could be poetry, short stories, essays. Any kind of collection. Any kind of collection. So the one I recommend is this one right here, John Green's The Anthropocene Reviewed. Uh, this could also work for the neurodivergent category a little bit later because John Green himself has OCD and he writes about that in his novel called Turtles All the Way Down. Uh, there's a character in that uh, novel with OCD. But this, this is a Beth Golay made me do it book. <laughs> she really, really uh, loved it. And after I went, yeah, 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 I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And I finally <laughs> read it. I read slash listened to it. He he narrates the audio. It's also fabulous. Tearful in many, many places. Laugh out loud, funny, just fabulous. And yeah, I think I remember going to you saying, why didn't I read this earlier? And you were like, I told you. It was like one of your best books of the year. And it was one of my best interviews as well. Yeah. So one he, of my favorite interviews. He basically takes, John Green is a, not the novelist of uh, Fault in Your Stars and many, many other um, primarily young adult novels. He's a, a, a YouTuber. He's known for a lot of things. But in this uh, collection, they're basically essays on things in the world. And he rates them on the five-star scale. So it can be, um, yeah, everything from humanity's temporal range to uh, Jersey Dudek's performance on May 25th. 20, you know, it's like musical performances. It's Diet Dr. Pepper. It's teddy bears. It's Canada geese and velociraptors and anything you can think of. He writes about it in such a wonderful, wonderful way. And then, um, I, I don't know, it's just... It's so hard to describe, but I just, this is one of those books I think you could really press into anybody's hands and they would enjoy it. So it's pretty special. Highly, highly recommended. John Green's The Anthropocene Reviewed. Daniel, what about you? Um, Out There Screaming, edited by Jordan Peele, not Peterson, like my autocorrect changed. Mm. Um, it's um, African American horror uh, short stories. 
Uh, I read it during spooky season, and it was pretty great. I liked it introduced me to a lot of African American authors, and like uh, N.K. Jemison and Rebecca Roanhorse had not uh, uh, short stories in it, and I really enjoyed it. And then the one that I am going to read because it took me a really long time to get through because these anthologies get huge, and I didn't have enough time to read it. Is uh, Never Whistle at Night, an Indigenous mm-hmm. Horror Anthology. Edited by Shane Hawk with uh, stories from Norris Black, David Heska, Wombly Whedon, who we had oh, on Read, yeah. Return, Repeat, Stephen Graham Jones, and also Afro-Indigenous author Rebecca Roanhorse, who has a book in Out There Screaming. So, Ooh, It all comes full circle. Full yeah. circle. Okay. Beth? I'm still thinking about Stephen Graham Jones. No problem. Who is Take one minute. of the most handsome people I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Okay, mine <laughs> is... Um, we're going to edit that out. Oh, no. we can't of theirs, no. can we? It's going to be on video forever. <laughs> I'm going to tell him. Um, mine, <laughs> you might interview him later this season. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, by the really way, Steven. She like likes you. Like likes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my collection is Ficciones by Borges. He's an Argentinian writer. Um, he's best, you know, he's written in many forms, but he's best known for his short stories. I was first introduced to him when I had to read a, the short story House of Asterian for class, and I just love him. I picked up this uh, a copy of this book at my favorite bookstore in Chicago, and I just, that's my collection. It's awesome. on the stack already. I would love to read more Eudora Welty short stories mm. as well. I, I really want to explore hers. I have a real hard time with short stories. Really? I think we've talked about this. I just, I need something that like pushes me forward to the next chapter. So I just, I will. Have you considered like have, reading a short story collection amid other things you read? Like having one going and when you just have a few minutes to do. That's what I love about short stories or essays. It's like, it's this just little, you know, sort of magazine length thing I, that you can I'm going to send you some creepypastas later. And uh, yeah, it'll change <laughs> oh. your opinion on short stories. I've it's heard fine it. if they're like, take like one. I'm like, oh, read me the short story. That's great. But like when I have to read a whole book of short stories, yeah. you don't have to read um, it all at once. Is what I I'm know, saying. I know, I know. But like, I want to <laughs> because if I put it down, I may not get it back. Yeah. So none of okay. my, my none of mine are going to be. I'm short just saying, stories. slow and steady is a good way to read colo- any kind of collection or on poetry the bus. Yeah. or on the bus. <laughs> There you go. Um, don't let my mm, not hatred. What would you say? Reluctance. Reluctance Prejudice. To read short stories, you know, color your view of them. They're great. I'm no sure shade. they really um, are. This is a and the category is for a collection, right? So it yeah. could be a joke oh. book. Like yeah, technically, absolutely. yeah, it could be a joke book. Yeah. Like so the what bathroom I was reader. Was either I really like Phoebe Robinson. I did talk about her last year, so I'm not going to go super into it. But hers is a series of of essays about uh, her life, um, her views on the world. She's just she's hilarious, and and I love her. So, but also Mindy Kaling has written a couple books that are really good, and those came out a few years ago. So if you didn't get a chance to read those uh, when they did, she's just a, a delight. Um, and then what I think I'm going to try to read this year is the Call Us What We Carry, which is a collection of poems by Amanda Gorman. Um, she wrote and read a poem uh, at the inauguration, this last one, and she's, she was like 18, and she just was so vibrant and strong, and it was just amazing that this young person could get up there on a national stage and do this amazing thing. And so she recently put out a book. Well, actually, I think it was two years ago, but I have it, <laughs> and I'm going to read it. 
I know it just seems like we buy these books. Yeah, just it was just yesterday, but hey. oh, it was three years ago. Yeah, so that's, that's, a that's good my one. collection. Uh, so next up, book about someone or by someone neurodivergent. And let's take a minute to, to define what this means. Uh, neurodivergent is people whose brain and neurological symptoms operate in different ways. So, right. like, I actually have a couple of different afflictions. I have um, CMT, uh, charcoal tooth. It's a neuropathy. And I have ADHD and I'm colorblind. So also, like, because of that, there's a lot of things that I'm neurodivergent uh, with. And so, like, this category is for, like, authors who would fall in these categories of afflictions. Authors or characters, yeah. right. Or characters, characters, yeah. yeah. And really, it's pretty broad. I mean, mm -hmm. OCD, ADHD, autism, Asperger's. Um, I'm going to talk about one that is something that I've never even heard of, Angelman's syndrome. So there's a lot out there. And if you are confused, probably just better count it. Yeah. So. This genre has really exploded in the last few years. There's a lot of neurodivergent romances now. As Hopefully, in society, we become more accepting and more inclusive. It's just really showing up uh, on bookshelves as well. I always so. know where like society is because I'll go to my parents' house and they're boomers and whatever like CBS shows they're watching. <laughs> and so now they're watching a show with like a doctor who is on the spectrum, <laughs> the good doctor. And I'm like, okay, so I guess like we're, this <laughs> is where we're at. Now. As for society accepting different <laughs> things, is that like? But wasn't Monk also a TV show yeah, about like a detective? I think every detective is. I think yeah. every detective is neurodivergent <laughs> like Colombo, like for yeah, real that would be a good thesis for somebody <laughs> you can take it sherlock. it's okay you don't even have yeah, to get a sherlock credit. that's yeah, right yeah, sherlock i like all the memes that say like oh, they're like old people will be like hey we didn't have people on the spectrum disorder back in my day it's like says your grandma who collects horses and like <laughs> only wears blue shoes curtains every thursday Okay. Well, on that front, Daniel, why don't you tell us about your choice for a book okay. by or about somebody neurodivergent? Okay, so I went down the celebrity um, rabbit hole on this one because I felt like it was like an easy way. First of all, um, I found out that uh, Billie Eilish is neurodivergent. Oh. Uh, She's also vegan. Vegan. By the way. And she has a book, it's called By Me, by Billie Eilish, by me. That's the name of the book. It's really weird because, like, the name of the book is Billie Eilish, by me. So it's oh, Billie me. Eilish, by me, by Billie Eilish, I guess. Oh, like library Billie Eilish terms. is in the title and the author? I don't, I couldn't figure it out if it was called By Me or if it's called Billie Eilish. <laughs> I saw it on different self -titled. pages. Self-titled. Self-titled book, yeah. <laughs> so um, cool photography book that kind of chronicles the early years of her life with her career startup going into um, COVID and lockdown. Mm -hmm. So it was like, cause she like heavily chronicled her life and it was really cool seeing like all these photos from like someone coming up. But also today I discovered that in the fly fishing section, I've never met an idiot on the river by Henry Winkler who is mostly known as the Fawns. And my friend has been sending me, like anytime I'm down, she'll send me like a, a tweet. And it's Henry Winkler saying something motivational with a picture of a fishy cot. <laughs> and the dude is like, they're very optimistic. The guy is like very optimistic and wholesome on quality content on Twitter. And this book from like 2011 is basically all his Twitter account. But, and he's, it's great. And it's called I've Never Met Anything on the River. But also Henry Winkler has a like a biography out right now, autobio. So I'm going to probably read that next and get that audio version. And I hope he reads it. I don't know. But 
Yeah. Love the font. We got a he does yeah. from the audience. Hey. That's wonderful. Nice. Yep. He does. Hey. We're gonna so uh, jump the shark. <laughs> <laughs> this season. Uh, Beth, do you want to talk about what you chose? Yeah, I'm making a lot of assumptions with this one. Okay. Um, I chose Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's an assumption. Or else I'm pretty sure um, Sherlock Holmes is in here too. So that's my mm-hmm. backup. Yeah, that's good. Um, the one I recommend that I read many, many years ago, I know it's been mentioned for this category, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the uh, Nighttime by Mark Haddon. It's told um, from the point of view of an autistic child, an autistic boy. Very, very well written. I remember the, the feeling of the pace of this novel just being super like your resting heart rate went up as you were reading this novel. And it was just it really, really immersed you in sort of the way he thought and felt. And I highly recommend that. I also really recommend one that I've talked about on our podcast before, uh, Strange Sally Diamond, which was one of my uh, favorite books of 2023 by Liz Nugent, uh, a neurodivergent character that you just absolutely fall in love with. She's uh, somewhere on the spectrum, and also it's set in Ireland, and it's a very, very dark, disturbing story, but one that's really, really good. That's Strange Sally Diamond. Dark and disturbing, but read it. Dark and disturbing, right up my alley. One that I read was The Kiss Quotient and mm-hmm. the other two that followed it by Helen Hong. Is that mm-hmm. how you say her name? Um, and so in the first two books, actually in all of the books, there is someone who is autistic or otherwise on the spectrum. Um, they are a little spicy, so, you know, don't pick them up if that offends you. But they are really cute. And the first one is told from the point of view of someone who is autistic. He just wants to, you know find a human connection somewhere. And so it was just really well done and and nice. Um, One that I want to read is Happiness Falls by Angie Kim. Uh, It's fairly new, I think. And uh, it's like thriller because it's about this dad that goes missing with his son. And the son is mute because he has Angelman syndrome. Is that what it's called? Yes, Angelman syndrome. And so when the kid comes back without the dad and the kid is covered in blood, they're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? But he doesn't, you know, he can't tell them what happened because he can't speak. So I'm sure that based on that premise alone, it sounds fascinating. And I can't wait to check it out. So that's the uh, Happiness Falls by Angie Kim. Going to category six, a book set in space. This is not something I read normally. So this is very much stretching my boundaries. I want to read Project Literary. Project Hail Mary. Everyone's raving about oh, Project yeah. Hail Mary by Andy Weir, uh, author of The Martian. I know I should read it, so I'm going to. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Is this his third? Is this is this is the one that just came out, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it didn't just come out. I think it came out maybe last year, a year, year or two ago. It came out after The Martian. But I think, cool. it, yeah, Project Hail Mary. Uh, yeah, I, I've been seeing ads for that. Yeah, yeah, so... I don't like books or movies about space okay, <laughs> at all. Enough. Although The Martian is one of my favorite movies. But yeah. he's never really in space for very long in that movie. I'm going to science he's not on Earth. But isn't he on Mars, which would qualify based on but our he's, current... But he's not out of the atmosphere. But he's yes, on Mars. but he's on Mars, which is our space. I'm saying it's off, off of Earth, so therefore it is space. Off it's, world um, is the correct it's term. It's not in world. James Mustick's book, so <laughs> I chose a space that scares me only slightly less, and I chose 20,000 Leagues Under the uh, Sea by okay. Jules Verne. That's very similar. It's a different space. I also thought, you know, Room by Emma Donahue. Mm-hmm. Talk about mm-hmm. a combined space. There are just different ways you can talk and think Count about it. space. Yeah. That's true. I love looking at that in different ways. Um, my 
to, that I have read, I mean, if you haven't read the Hitchhiker series by Douglas Adams, I mean, classic. Pick it up. Just do yourself a favor. Unless you don't like funny things or joy, <laughs> then you can leave it alone. <laughs> but joy, is, obviously do not. That is in this book. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, but you didn't choose Hitchhi- it. You oh. didn't choose the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I did not. All right. I'm like space. Um, <laughs> likewise, A Wrinkle in Time, if you haven't read it, oh, yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, but one that I want to read is called Station Eternity, a Mid-Solar Murder. That sounds fun. <laughs> By Mer Lafferty. Uh, so I don't really know anything about it. I just really like the title. And I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. I think there's, there's some murders. Obviously, yeah. they're in space. In space. And it must be mid-solar. Mm-hmm. Like Beth and Suzanne, I never read books about space. I don't. I mean, like, you probably can't tell it by looking at me that I would never read a space book. <laughs> they have horror books in space. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Daniel, that doesn't make sense. Uh, top of my uh, top of the book I went with was uh, a book I read over COVID, uh, Dune by Frank Herbert. Uh, obviously, classic. classic. Takes place on Arrakis. And uh, a little bit takes place in space. They fold space. My husband wants this. to give you a standing ovation right yeah. now. <laughs> his all-time favorite novel. We can, yeah. I haven't read it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to, like, that book is like 800 pages. And I don't know if I'm ready to jump into the other ones. But newer books that I'm excited to read. Uh, so, like, ever since Disney acquired the Fox franchises, they got Aliens, Predator. They're kind of, like, pushing those books out. And, like, honestly, like, they're pretty good, like, quality. The first one... Uh, they've been using the characters from Aliens, the 1986 movie Aliens, James Cameron's Aliens, and doing books with them. I know a YA novel was Vasquez, but the one I'm excited was Lance Henriksen's uh, Bishop character. Uh, there's Aliens Bishop by T.R. Knapper coming out, or just came out. It came out like last month, so I'm going to read that one. Okay. He's the guy that like is the robot. I didn't watch no it. one's seen Aliens. I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. In space, no one can hear you scream. So. Well. Good thing we're on Earth. (laughs) One thing I will add, I was at at Watermark Books in Wichita on New Year's Day, and one of their booksellers was raving about a book called The Six, The Untold Story of America's First Women Astronauts. And that just came out. It's nonfiction. She really, really loved it. It was Melissa over there, whose uh, opinion I highly respect. It's sort of a hidden figures kind of story, true story about uh, first women astronauts. So she recommended that. That sounds awesome. Yes. Category seven is a book someone told you not to read. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of challenges to books these days. Uh, It's not hard to find a title that has been challenged or removed from shelves somewhere. Uh, The one I'm going to read is actually one I wrote about in my reporting. It was pulled briefly off the shelves of school libraries uh, right here in Goddard. Uh, it's called The 57 Bus by Dashka Slater. I know my friend Cheryl has read this and loved it. Uh, I think you actually told me about this last year. It won a Stoneball Book Award. It's, it's won many, many awards, but it's uh, about LGBTQ, an LGBTQ student, and some bullying that goes on, and a crime that changes their lives. But, uh, yeah, so it was, it was definitely... Someone didn't want someone to read this book at some point, and I'm going to read it this year. How about you, Beth? Mine is Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Just <laughs> so many people tell us not to read that. <laughs> That's one a good of them one. was my uh, a former college professor came into Watermark when I was working there, and she said, "What are you reading?" And I said, "Moby Dick," and she said, "Why?" 
<laughs> she told me to skip the fishing chapters. <laughs> um, another one that I thought about putting on here, except I don't want to read it. First of all, I should clarify that, but I feel like it's one we should read. I, I really seriously considered Mein Kampf. Oh, yeah. Because everybody should read it as a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. I think I'm um, good. What? <laughs> I'm alright. Yeah. Nazis, yada yada yada. <laughs> yada yada. There's Nazis. No, that's a really great point. I mean, yeah. You're right. Cautionary tale. Uh, really, I was thinking of a lot of different books for this. Like, uh, should I do books that are people literally told me not to read? Like Mein Kampf or the Turner Diaries of a Satanic Bible. But I, I'm gonna say The Keys by DJ Khaled. <laughs> because when you open it up, it says the book they don't want you to read <laughs> reveals DJ's Khaled uh, major keys to success. And then the book I want to tell you guys not to read is uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing by Marie Kondo, because she has a whole chapter on books in here and how you shouldn't keep them around your house. So, like... Don't yeah, this, down with her. Like, it's this, that's the wrong book for this crowd. Like, don't <laughs> tell us to get rid of our books, right? Um, for me, I thought I'd take this in a direction where I'll tell you what not to read because it was the worst <laughs> book I read last year. Oh, wow. Um, and that was Hell's Half Acre. Hot take. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but maybe it would be a perfect book for someone yes, else. Yes, absolutely. By all but means, I'll even you. tell you what it's about. It's about the Bloody Benders who are here. They were the first serial killing family. They were really kind of gross. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like that's what they called themselves, yeah. right? The first serial I mean, killing family. It's like some weird. It really kind of the only serial yeah. killing family, I think. But, but were they really family? I mean, I read the book. I know. And I, I interviewed Susan Genesis for it. Yeah, what you that? hated it. I interviewed the author. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. Oh, don't tell her I said that. I won't. I didn't like it. <laughs> she's she's it's like done. across the pond. Isn't she British? Yeah, yeah. she's fine. She's yeah. fine. Um, but it's about the bloody benders and um, very true crime. And, you know, if you like that kind of thing, you could check it out. I didn't like it. Um, that's all <laughs> I'll say about that. But a book that I really hope to read this year, um, and also one I think that's in my stack here, is uh, The Hate You Give by Angie uh, Thomas, because I have not read it, and it is on a lot of banned books lists. Um, so Then there's that whole category of books where people are like, do not read this book if you are, you know, if you get upset easily, or like so many people said, yeah. do not read A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara, which is one of my all-time favorite novels now, and it does rip your heart out and tear it to shreds, and I can, I totally understand the warnings about it, but it was a fabulous book, so if you, you can also think about it, the category that way. If you love getting your heart torn out yes, and ripped to shreds. stomped on and never put you. back together. Absolutely, yes. sounds great. It was love fantastic. Um, <laughs> My other one for this was Brent, anything by Brett Easton Ellis because I feel like his fans have a love hate relationship mm -hmm. with him and they always like they read his books but they also hate his books and they're like no you don't read it don't read it it's a waste <laughs> that's of time that's uh, American Psycho yeah right? and, and like Art of Attraction Rules of Attraction I was just gonna say David Foster Wallace mm -hmm. Infinite Jest <laughs> like like I feel like <laughs> people I feel that. like the yeah. people that read those books are also like not like they know it's like arduous to read or whatever and it's like not for everybody so. That's because all my friends that are Freddie and Ellis fans, I'm going to read one finally, I think. <laughs> Do it. I'll tell you not to read it. Then cool. you can count it. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we've got a book with a season in the title. I have 
for many, many years wanted to read Empire Falls by Richard Russo, and it has fall in the title, and this is going to be the year that I read it. I love Richard Russo. I love his other novels. I uh, loved, yeah, I, I mean, Nobody's Fool is one of my favorites, but I've just never read it, so Empire Falls is going to be mine. Uh, the other one that I've heard great things about, I hope it's not on anyone else's list, Last Summer on State Street, which came out last year by Toya Wolf. Um, that was highly recommended to me, too. There were like 10 books in this <laughs> that have a season, season in it. Yes, like Boys of Summer or things. I oh, mean, sure. so lots of different genres as well. I chose Winter's Tale by Isaac Dennison. Isaac Dennison is the pen name for Karen Blixen. She was portrayed by the actor Meryl Streep in the movie Out of Africa. And so this is her book. Um, it's a, It's... Isaac Dennison is a woman, and this is her book. It's a collection of haunting gothic tales. Wow, okay. So one that I did read, but I can't really remember many of the plot points because it was years ago, but I remember really liking it, and it was Winter People. I would recommend reading this one in the fall when you're ready for spooky season because there's there's some ghosts, I think, and like people mysteriously miss go missing, so also lost or found. But it was really good. It's by Jennifer McMahon, and um, I have liked several of her other books, but Winter People. And then the one that I want to read is actually by a local author. Uh, we had her on our panel for Local Author Day last year, and it's The Longest Autumn by Amy Avery. And so that one's going to be kind of fantasy. So it's about like a human who has to escort this god of autumn. And they go through this like journey, and they go through this enchanted mirror, and then they get locked and stuck in the human realm and they can't get back because Autumn has to go and bring Autumn to the world. And so anyway, it sounds really good. And I'm excited to read it and support one of our local authors. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And it sounds like Spirited Away. So like I kinda, okay. that makes me yeah, want to read it, yeah. like about the whole idea of elementals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was like, this could be inventive, right? It doesn't have to be winter, spring, fall, summer, yeah. whatever. You could do like different seasons, like, you know, like. You know, if you're single, you know about breakup season and you know about cuffing, <laughs> cuffing season. season. <laughs> and like I looked up, I'm like, there has to be a book called Cuffing Season. And there's like five and they're all bondage like oh <laughs> Fifty Shades cool. of Grey books. Cool. So, uh, and then there was a book about breakup season. But I guess it was like an Alaskan detective novel because I guess when the ice thaws, they call it breakup season. I can't remember the name of that author. Honag, I think was her name, like okay. or like something like that. And it's about like a, a indigenous Alaskan. It's kind of like it, that one looked interesting. But my actual real books are uh, Winter Counts by David Hesco Wombly Whedon. Great. We had him on the podcast. It's a great detective novel if you're into like mysteries. Also, uh, R.A. Salvatore has the Neverwinter Night Saga. I ended up accidentally re like listening to an R.A. Salvatore book because he writes books that take place in the Dungeons & Dragons universe. And uh, Audible gave you a book that like they had celebrities read and Ice-T of all people is like reading a Dungeons & Dragons short story in this collection, the like The Legend of Drixt, who is like this character that is like all the the Ari Salvatore books take place. And everyone says Neverwinter is one of the better sagas. And so the title is, uh, the first one is Gauntelgurm. And that's Neverwinter, Charon's Claw, The Last Threshold. It's very nerdy stuff, but I was like, I'll check it out. Yeah, someone on the Read ICT board mentioned that she's going to be reading Love and Saffron yeah. for this because there's a seasoning 
in the title. Season, yeah, that's clever. Saffron, right? Yeah. So I said count it. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. It's a good book, too, by Kim Fay. Uh, okay, what's next? We got uh, category nine. That's going to be a book featuring an animal sidekick. We Beth should have brought her dogs. <laughs> yeah. My dog would have hated that because she's very scared. But, uh, oh, if I, yeah. Beth, what, what is our tome there have for animal sidekicks? My Dog Tulip by oh. J.R. Ackerley. It's one of the first books of the, like, the me and my dog genre. And what I found interesting is that... The e. Marley and Me genre. Yeah, Ian e. Forrester was one of the early readers of this book, and he said that Tulip demanded recognition as a creature of her own right, as a dog of dogdom, and not as an appendage of man. Oh. That's right. My dog Tulip. Better recognize okay. Tulip. Is it on your list? Nope, it's not. No. I was not. waiting. I was like, mm, <laughs> no, not that one. Didn't quite catch it. Daniel, um, I'm going to let you go first because I feel like we have a couple in the same category here. All right. I'll just do one so we don't have any crossover. But I'm just going to say my favorite fictional animal is this cat that's a like a giant hairless sphinx named Lion Cat. And it can speak. It says one word and it says it could tell you if it's lying and it's from Brian K. Vaughn's saga. I'm not, it's a graphic novel series. I think they're working on like a show for HBO or Netflix. It's just like really whimsical, like this fantastic world that like doesn't make sense. It's like a story of like uh, these two warring races. One one people are people with wings and one people are people with antlers. And uh, <laughs> they don't mix, but they had a baby together like the main characters did. And they were like, the whole, so like everybody is chasing them and like, Brian K. Vaughn also did Paper Girls, which is an awesome. He's like one of the best comic book writers out there right now. And yeah, if you like weird fantasy stuff, like uh, check out Saga by Brian K. Vaughn. Okay, well, I wasn't going to choose that one. So <laughs> yeah. good. Good deal. Suzanne, you want to go next? Oh, okay. I don't care. Um, one that I've read long ago and love is Travels with Charlie by John Steinbeck. It's a nonfiction book by Steinbeck about his travels across America with his poodle, Charlie. It's fantastic. One I want to read this year is actually a nonfiction book called An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us by Ed Yong. Um, it's basically just how animals, how animals see the world. And I hear great, great things about this book. And I just got it on sale and I'm excited about it. It is so good. You've read it? It took me all year because I tried uh, to get the audiobook and I don't mm -hmm. listen to audiobooks very fast. So I checked it out. I listened to a lot of it, like checked it out again. Okay. I checked it out a third time. I got all the way to the last chapter. And of course, you know, I had to wait because there's hold lists, mm -hmm. which is why it took me all here. And so I finally just checked out the book to read the last chapter <laughs> so that I could. And then I got to see the pictures, too. So yeah. but he reads the audiobook and he has a very uh, soothing, like British voice. Well, I hear such wonderful things but about it. And I need to read so more nonfiction. Cool. So. It's like it was just fascinating to hear how other animals experience the world. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. I feel speechless. good about my yeah. choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Mine are all fiction. Um, my ones that I've read that I really liked with Animal Sidekicks, um, you've got Starter Villain, which just came out by John Scalzi. We did get to interview him for the podcast. Um, I can plug it because it's our podcast. And, um, and so they've got Spy Cats, cats mm. that are spies that can type on computers um, it's great and, and weird, but fun. Very much Douglas Adams vibes. So if you liked Hitchhikers, 
or any of Douglas Adams. Did Douglas Adams write anything other than Hitchhiker? Mm, I don't know. Is he in your book? He's probably in there. Mm-hmm. Beth will look it up for us. I want to so say good. a book I do want to read in this category is that that, that shark heart book Beth was yes. talking about. Like her husband's here to do a shark. Yes, What's it's that fabulous. about? It's so. great. It is so, so great. <laughs> there are other animals in there too, but yes. And remarkably bright creatures. Uh, a lot of people read that last year, last two years, and loved it. Narrator, yeah, which had an octopus, yeah, as a narrator. Uh, the one I want to read yeah. is Fourth Wing. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna say that because I'm pretty sure it has a dragon, and like the dragon is the sidekick, right? Yeah, there are dragons. It's been checked out, and it's taken me months to get it. So it could also be a book that I meant to read last year, and I believe it's also got a map. So it could be a map book with a map. So I see some nodding from the audience. I'm just saying, you could read Fourth Wing and apply it to any of the categories. Probably. I'm sure there's something lost and found in there, too. Oh, yeah, probably. Or if you have yet to read Lessons in Chemistry, I mean, 630 is the best. He was the best character in that book. What's the dog's name? 630. 630. Yeah. I want to read that. That is on my my to-read list, too. All right. Okay. Uh, we are all the way to category 10. Yes, a book with a recipe. I love cooking, so I can't wait for this category. I'll go. It does not have to be a cookbook. Um, it can be. There are all kinds of um, books in this category. Um, I would highly recommend Taste by Stanley Tucci. The audio is fantastic. It's love uh, his, Tucci. It's a sh- Who it's doesn't? A, yes. <laughs> would you l- have anything to say about Stanley Tucci, Beth? No. Stephen Graham Johnson, Stanley. We learned all about Beth today. <laughs> uh, it is fabulous. It does have some he recipes. Can make me yeah. anytime. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's terrific. Um, as memoirs go and foodie books go. Um, but m- the one I'm going to read this year is another uh, Beth made me do it. It's Search by Michelle Hunovan. Yeah. It's a novel about a committee, a church committee looking for a new pastor. Um, but in the back, there are recipes um, for things, uh, dishes that were served at their committee meetings. And there are actual recipes in this book. So I'm looking forward to it. Do you guys remember the Diane Mock Davidson books? I mean, I don't know if she's still writing, but, but she what, would, are, what are the titles? The, the oh, author I sounds just, familiar? Well, they, they were just like cozy mysteries where the, this caterer would always stumble upon these dead bodies <laughs> and then she'd have to figure it out. And I think her the main character's name was Goldie Schultz or something like that. But she would include recipes, and I would make those recipes. They are so good. But that's not what is on my list. I'm gonna guess those are not in. No, the they're not. Books you should read before you die. Maybe they should. I, be. Another one, like long-standing series, are gonna be the Joanna Fluke series. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, like the, all of these, um, like blueberry cupcake murder or something like that. I mean, <laughs> throw any fruit and sweet thing together and add murder at the end. Yes. <laughs> like, How to write a Cody, cozy but mystery? But I feel like she had a lot of recipes in those books. So, okay, now you may continue with your real choice. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to find one in this category in this book, but in the 11th hour, I found Clementine in the Kitchen by Samuel oh, Chamberlain. It was published in 1943, and this is Chamberlain's memoir of Americans eating well abroad and at home, and it includes an assortment of traditional French recipes. Oh. That actually reminds me <laughs> of the, of which I did not even think to include here, silly me, but Foods of a Younger Nation, which I'd have to look up the author, but it came out a few years ago, and it was like a collection put together by the WPA, and they went around to all these different like regions and interviewed people on what they would make, and I, th- I think it had these weird recipes in it. Um, 
And I remember I had a book club and we tried to make the recipes, but they were basically, I mean, what people would put together when they were rationing things. So mm. they didn't have, you know, all mm -hmm. of the wonderful ingredients for flavor. It was for protein and sustenance, and it might look like a congealed mess, but darn it, it was going to get you fed. <laughs> so anyway, it was called Food of a Younger Land, and I may have that description completely false, but it was really good. Food of a Younger it. Nation, you said. Is Did it I? land? I don't remember. Okay, food of a if younger something. If you type it into a search engine, it yeah. will probably food of come a younger. Back. I think the author's first name is Mark. Okay. I'm all about like uh, cookbooks that are like regional and local. Like we yeah. grew up with like uh, when I was a kid, I'm from Oklahoma, and we grew up with the county assessor's office uh, like <laughs> book that they've been doing for generations. Like I have a great grandmother that has a recipe in there. Kind of what they did, they cool. go around and like. Suspiciously, I won't say her name, but a famous chef also from Oklahoma has a lot of similar recipes. Oh. <laughs> She's stolen from your grandma? <laughs> no, from the county. Oh, okay. like those, yeah, she, public domain. She's more than right to take <laughs> those recipes. But I don't, I never figured out that, if, like, it's a, like a cherished book, and they did like a 100th anniversary for the centennial of Oklahoma. But does Kansas have a, like, a. Not familiar. Like that. Not I've never, that I know of. Yeah, that would be cool. We do have a whole lot of cookbooks in our yeah. special collections. And there, so many cookbooks are good reading. I mean, yes, there's like agreed. there's a lot of cookbooks. That I, salt, fat, acid, heat was a great. It's in here. Great. Is it? Uh, it is. Mm -hmm. That's a great book. Um, and and then there are so many. Um, yeah, there are just so many cookbooks. A dinner, a love story is one that I. Really, really love because you've got the recipes intermingled with sort of family life and, you know, just sort of centering your family around the table. And just, yeah, there, there are lots of, oh, um, Home Cooking by Lori Colwin is fantastic. Anyway, a lot, a lot in this category. But I didn't, uh, I went ahead and um, this is a repeat for my selection. Okay. Um, the Keys uh, by DJ Khaled <laughs> is a recipe for success book. Oh, <laughs> right at the beginning of the cover, the he one tells, they told you not to yeah, read. Yeah, the, the book they don't want you to read reveals <laughs> DJ Khaled's major key success. And he has a list of the recipes that I want to share with y'all. <laughs> Stay away from they. Secure the bag. Respect the code. Believe in the hustle. And win, 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 no matter what. So. That sounds like good yeah. advice. Classic. Oh, yeah. Thanks, DJ Khaled. <laughs> DJ K We the best. <laughs> win, win, win. I also, I need All to clarify. All I do is win. Yeah. I lied. That salt, acid. Oh, it's not, heat, in, no. not in there. This one is flour, water, salt, yeast by Ken oh. Forkish. <laughs> really? Yeah. Flour, water, salt, yeast? Is that it's just bread. a cookbook? Is that by the ratio guy? The ratio book's really clever. Cool. You read that one? It's like he breaks everything down by ratios and shows you how easy it is to make things and how mm. it's all about science. I can't think of who wrote that. Uh, like up. Water for Chocolate, does that have mm. um, recipes in it too? Yeah. What'd you There's pick? So uh, yeah, one oh, that sorry. I was actually going to, the one I want to read is The Crying in H Mart by oh, Michelle yeah. Sonner. Mm -hmm. Probably didn't say that right. Sonner. But. Um, it's about this Korean-American woman who spends a summer, I think, in Seoul with her grandmother and her mother making all these recipes in the kitchen and eating food. And then um, I believe her mother passes away. And so to work through her grief, she starts going back through the recipes and recreating them. And so crying in H-Mart because H-Mart was a Korean grocery store in her neighborhood. I, um, but anyway, it was it's, so it sounds really good. And it was on my to-read last year so. I went to Koreatown in LA this summer and uh, they have H Marts there. And my phone uh, charging cable broke. And I went to H Mart and they did not have a charging cable. And I had to go to Office Depot. I, I did not cry in H Mart, though. 
Well, so, good. But I, I now I want to read it because I was like, I yeah, almost cried. Almost cried. I relate <laughs> to this heavily. I think it's a little bit different. Okay. Like grief over a phone cord, <laughs> grief over a lost family member. But you know, Daniel, you know who's to tell you? Okay, we're getting we're rounding off with category eleven. Okay. I can one. start because I know this one dates you and tells you how old you are. So, That's all right. Uh, we're all okay with it. We've decided we're okay with a it, book, right? The book we were published all, the year we were turned all 16. 16 in 2001. We can all just do, like, go pick a book from my year. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, so 2001 is when I turned 16, I believe. I hope I did the right math on that. Uh, American Gods by Neil Gaiman is a book oh, I would recommend. What a great book. That's so good. And the book that I haven't read yet, but I might read, but probably won't, is uh, The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen, since he's like the great that. American novelist, and I haven't read any of Franzen yet. So. Yeah. Those I had to read him in goodies. high school, or not high school, but uh, college class, and I was like, eh, Jonathan Franzen. Won like some awards. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what year they were published. If you care that much, you can look them up. But <laughs> I have... Um, Harry Potter, the second book, Chamber of Secrets, came out the year that I turned 16. Uh, I did not start reading them until I was well into college, but the one I want to read is Stardust by Neil Gaiman, oh, because I yeah. love that movie. It's so good. Um, and so I've never I read the book. I, I should pick real, up book. I did, guess I didn't realize Neil Gaiman was that that old. He's not. You're just young, really young. That's I okay. I don't though. think that's true. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Harry Potter. Thank you for thinking that I could be. <laughs> you are. You're young. You're younger than us. I have like three J.K. Rowling books to pick for my year. Because Three, it, like uh, Fantastic Beast came out and the like rules oh, of uh, Hog- yeah. the rules of Quidditch came out that year too. Like those like supplementals. That's a pretty for all the good Quidditch year. you're gonna be playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I turned uh, 16 in 1984. The 80s are an interesting decade for publishing. But The Witches of Eastwick came out that oh, year. Okay. I've never read it. <laughs> Love the movie. Uh, Empire of the Sun is another one of my uh, choices. Hunt for Red October. Uh, by Tom Clancy, and boy, the Raoul Dahl autobiography, which is what I will probably try to read, um, and because I got a copy of it the other day just for this challenge, so that's what I'm reading. The Book of Genesis came out when I turned 16. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Exodus or like one of the later ones? Revelation. Genesis. Nice. Um, mine, I, I turned 16 in 1983, and I chose The Life and Times of Michael Kay by J.M. Kutzia. He mm. also is another Nobel laureate. And I'm a fan of his. I mean, I just he had a book come out just a few months ago called The Pole, which is about this Polish composer who has so many C's and Z's in his name, nobody can pronounce it, so they just call him The Pole. He wrote a book called Foe, which is reimagining um, Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe. And this one has been on my list, The Life and Times of Michael Kay. All I'm right. excited. There is a link on the, uh, I think Jenny actually shared a link on the Facebook page uh, where Wikipedia sort of has done the work for you and you can look up novels, American novels from all the different years and then you can sort of winnow that down to debut novels, to, all, to oh, wow. other, other books published that year. It's very handy. She came across that and shared it. So that's great. Um, but reason. otherwise, just Google books published in whatever, whenever yeah, you that's, I think I went to Goodreads, yes. and it was like book published yep. Yep. in that particular year. All I guess right. I'm the only one that didn't share. Mm. Too bad for you guys. You said the Harry Potter book. I did. You can look up the year that it was published. Oh, share your year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Final category, you guys. 1978. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Oh, you age well, Sarah. Oh, thank you. 
Um, so category 12, we're moving on, <laughs> is a category by an indigenous author. So this does not have to be, you know, First Nations of America. This could also be indigenous Canadian or indigenous Australian. Uh, there's a lot of areas that have indigenous populations that you could um, choose a book from. And so we did this to tie in with The Big Read, which uh, is coming up in March of 2024. Uh, we're going to do March and April. I think I can announce that, uh, well, I'll tell you, the book is There There by Tommy Orange, and we are actually bringing Tommy Orange to uh, Wichita with, uh, with our partner's Watermark Books, um, and that's going to be April 26th. So I think that's right. Is that right? Got okay. some scoop tonight. Uh, so anyway, I hope you guys can join us for that. It's going to be really, really good. And uh, I hope you really like the book. But yeah. if you haven't read it, there's your choice. If you have, there's plenty of other indigenous authors that uh, we can offer you. I highly recommend Braiding Sweetgrass. Mm -hmm. I read it uh, a couple years ago. It was one, uh, It's Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teachings of Plants. By Robin Wall Kimmer. I can't believe how many nonfiction books I'm recommending tonight. That's weird for me. Um, I am also very interested and intrigued by uh, Wandering Stars, which is Tommy Orange's new novel oh, yes. that's out in February. So um, I believe we're going to try and tie in with Literary Feast for that and do um, sort of an all Tommy Orange all the time, you know, March yeah. or April. So. That sounds great. I'll, I'll come to that. Cool. Yeah. Um, mine are, uh, well, one that I have read is uh, Winter Counts by David Wombly, no, Westcott. David White and Wombly Whedon. Um, you must have Heska in there. Heska. Yeah, it's, it's fine. We'll now. put it in the show notes because I just messed oh, up. Oh, yeah, there are gonna be a there's been going to be a list um, But uh, we did interview him for the podcast, as Daniel had said earlier, and it's a murder mystery. It's on the Lakota Nation uh, reservation, and um, they even hit... Carhenge. Yeah. Anyway, it's really it's, it's, it's a cool book. It's a cool book. It's fun to read, you know, murder and, and I think trauma the, is okay with you. And but still like it was the second installment comes out this year. I think that's what I when we were looking it up, he, they said twenty twenty four is when the next one will drop. So hopefully nice. it comes out soon. Uh so you have time to read the first one. If you so choose. The one that I want to read, though, um, is The Removed by Brandon Hobson. Um, he is with the Cherokee Nation. And so his family dealing with grief. Their kid dies. They have this uh, bonfire coming up. And that also coincides with the Cher some Cherokee na national holiday, but also the death of the son. And... I think it starts to blend between like what's real and what's spiritual and all these different things. And it sounded really, really cool. And so I would like to read it. I'm sure that I messed that up, but you know. For a book that I read, uh, I didn't know he was indigenous when I read it, but I loved his books. And then I saw recently that he was indigenous, but it's uh, he had indigenous characters in them. But Daniel H. Wilson wrote Robopocalypse and then there's Robogenesis. Uh, he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and his books are like science fiction. It's kind of like World War Z, the Robopocalypse, where it's like an oral history of the robot uh, uprising. So if you have read World War Z, which is kind of presented in the Howard Zinn framework of like different accounts from different people, it's a great book. I like it. Uh, been waiting for the movie for years. The book came out during Ready Player One, like at the same time. And I'm not to trash on like Ready Player One, but like Ready Player One is just, hey, remember the 80s? But like Robopocalypse <laughs> is like a book that actually tells a story and things. 
And then for books I want to read is like we're in like this native author renaissance, and we're a lot of these books that people are reading by indigenous and native authors are all books that are like within the last ten to twenty years. And I was like, I'm gonna read some of the old like classic pieces of Native American literature. And the first one was uh, in Scott Mamaday because he's from the same. He was born in the same hospital I was in Lawton, Oklahoma. And uh, My Way to Rainy Mountain is a book. And it's like a story of him going home, and it's told from the voice of his father, the ancestral voice of the Kiowa oral tradition, and then the third voice that he tells the story is a, pers of a story from personal reminis reminiscence uh, through his own voice. And then uh, Vine Deloria's Custer Died for Your Sins, which I've been reading. It's very kind of like from 1968 or 9, and it's kind of just like this book that kind of the first time a lot of people saw Native Americans outside of a historical context was reading Custer Died for Your Sins by Vine Deloria. It's like very classic. It's a goat Native American uh, written novel. So I'm excited to finish that one. And that came up in The Winter, Winter Counts, Counts, right? Yeah. And so, yes. It also comes up in Clint, Cliff Nesteroff's uh, um, We Had a Little Real Estate Problem, not written by a Native author, but about Native American comedians. So, uh, yeah. Mine is Blue Highways by William Least Heat Moon, alleged Osage. And what I like is Mustic says, pick up Blue Highways when you have the urge to read and nothing particular on the top of your list. So I might not get this one then. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> That's high praise. Read this yeah. if you have nothing else better to do. Uh, William Least Heat Moon, didn't he write Prairie Earth? Yeah, Prairie Earth, mm -hmm. right? But okay. it's not in the book. Oh, interesting. Okay. Blue Highways. All right. I think that is a lot of recommendations. Yeah. We will have more throughout the so year. I know you guys talk about recommendations throughout the year as well. Uh, if you weren't taking notes tonight, that's okay. We are going to have a very um, inclusive list of all the books that were mentioned today. And we just want to thank you for coming out. Thank you so much for participating in the challenge. Absolutely. We the best. <laughs> for you. Yay, books. You all the best. That sounds like a good place to stop. Yes, it does. So until next time. Keep turning those pages. Bye, Beth. Bye, Suzanne. Books and Whatnot is a production of KMUW Wichita. Our team of engineers, producers, editors, and hosts are Mark Statzer, Torin Anderson, Haley Krausen, Jonathan Huber, Luann Stevens, Carly Cooper, Beth Golay, and Suzanne Perez. You can reach us by email sent to podcasts at kmuw.org, on Twitter at Books and Whatnot, and on Instagram, books underscore and underscore whatnot. Find more conversations and a list of books discussed in this episode at kmuw.org. This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR.